The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. So glad that you can be with us this morning. I'm Carol Bossert. You're listening to Museum Life. And today's show is titled Crafting Your Career. And this this show actually, it will start a four-week series on careers and leadership. And I'm really excited about the guests that we have on our show today, sort of beginning our, our theme. And I know you'll be excited about listening to the shows in uh, the coming weeks. In thinking about um, careers, my own career in particular, and museum careers overall, I was reminded of when I was a, an undergraduate, I think maybe my sophomore or junior year, and we had a, a science club, uh, and we had uh, invited the chairman of our department to speak to us about his illustrious career. He he had written papers, and, and of course, he was chairman of this biology department, and he did many things. And he was a very low-key individual. He began by saying, well, you know, I got out of the army and I didn't know what to do. So someone said, hey, you got that GI Bill thing. Why don't you go to college? So I did. And then after I got out of college, one of my professors said, hey, would you like to start teaching? He said, and yeah, I did. And, And now I'm here. And I remember sitting next to my my friend, my girlfriend, and saying, my God, he didn't plan his career at all and see how well that turned out. Well, I don't think that most of us in this day and age have the luxury of just waiting for things to happen. Uh, we'll go into probably some of those those reasons why things are different than they were at maybe the end of uh, World War II. But more importantly, I think deep down all of us would like to think that someone out there is just looking out for us and will will uh, give us the opportunities when they need to to uh, to be there and uh, has our best interest at heart. But the truth is, we really have to embrace and manage our own careers. And that can be challenging, particularly in the museum field where we are so busy, whether we work inside museums or outside museums. 
And we don't give ourselves the intentional time we need to really look at our careers, see where they are, see where we want them to go, and then begin to strategize how to get there. And I use that word quite deliberately because my guests on the show today that I, that I think will uh, just help us all in so many ways, uh, Anne Ackerson and Marianne Bez are two members of a, a group, uh, some call them, they call themselves the Gang of Five, uh, museum professionals, independent professionals, who have come together to do very exciting things in their careers. And one of the things that they have developed, that I find just fascinating, is called the Strategize Me Workshop. And so today, Marianne and Anne are going to tell us a little bit about how that workshop started, uh, what it was. What it entails and uh, some of the successes that have been achieved by using this approach. So, Marianne and Anne, thank you so very much for being on our show today. Oh, my pleasure. And I'd like to start with you, and uh, I do this with all of my guests. I think it helps uh, our listeners uh, under, uh, sort of ground the programming a little bit and get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you if you would, uh, wouldn't mind to just share with uh, our listeners uh, your own uh, career path. Mm-hmm. Happy to. Um, I, and I would say uh, I resonate with that college professor you were talking about in that I, I, looking back over my career, I think it has gotten more intentional as time has gone on. But certainly when I was starting out, I was really focused on getting a job in a museum. Um, I had the good fortune of being an undergraduate intern at the New York State Historical Association. And this we're talking the mid-1970s. Uh, and that flipped a switch for me, and I decided this is what I want to do with my life. I want to work in a museum. And so I ended up, again, lucky, um, getting a job in a small historical society right out of college. And I decided uh, that I would stay working rather than go to graduate school. And, um, and I just plugged away. At doing that, and I would say that um, my career developed um, mostly around uh, gaining greater responsibility, wanting to find places where I could gain greater responsibility and more money. And um, and so I moved. I moved for money and responsibility. Um, and it wasn't until really, I think, until the mid 1990s, I I decided to really intentionally disrupt my career and take time off. Uh, and I, I did that. And I left the field for a year, but I didn't leave it for very long. And actually, colleagues were kind of pulling me back in. Before the end of that year, I was being pulled back in and began uh, the track that I'm on now, which is to um, have highly responsible part-time positions in related associations and also maintain um, a consulting career. So I'm juggling now a lot of different kind of balls in the air, uh, but it was, it was that disruption um, that led to where I am now. And, and, and as a result of it, I'm a firm believer in, in disrupting oneself every now and then. 
That's that's great. And I want to come back to several points uh, that I think are illustrated in your career. But before I do that, Anne, could you tell yeah. us a little bit more? I'm very interested in this idea of disruption. You know, most mm-hmm. of us like to plan a career so that there are no disruptions. Right, right, right. Um, it's come out of my evolutionary thinking um, that... Um, I think in order for one to, and this isn't, this is certainly isn't everybody's cup of tea, but for me to keep my mind engaged, learning new things, um, taking some risks, I have found that I, I need to make those disruptions that generally speaking, uh, for me, uh, staying in one position in one museum for any length of time um, um, often would lead to me getting a little stale or a little jaded and um, and I think that that points to another issue relate in the field generally and careers and that is that so many institutions don't really have much of a professional ladder uh, for for people and so you almost have to move out in order to move up and um and that's a whole a whole conversation that i know is going on uh in the field around the country and um it's it's the the nature of our institutions at the moment um so i i i feel that disruption can um while hard and um and sometimes you really struggle through it um can often lead to Really terrific things on the other side once you once you get through that and and gosh you pick up new colleagues new networks new skills new information uh, that can really make the disruption worthwhile so I would you know my little bit of advice would be you know to consider that disruption if if you can or consider how to make disruptions happen um, if you can in your career and in your life. I think that that's a, a very interesting piece of advice, particularly in this day and age. It it just seems to me that it takes a great deal of courage to do that. You know, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people uh, came up to me and and said at the time that I announced that I was going to uh, leave my my situation at that time and and kind of take a year step back a little bit, recharge my batteries and. I was amazed at the number of people who came up and sort of whispered in my ear and said, oh, you're so brave to do this. And I thought to myself, well, I didn't think that bravery had anything to do with it. Um, For me, it was planning. (laughs) It took me a a year or a year and a half to figure out to, number one, get to that point where I acknowledged the fact that I needed a change and then to actually plan how to do it. So it wasn't as though I was kind of jumping into an abyss or jumping into the unknown, really. Um, I did have a strategy. I didn't know how it would work out exactly, but I had a strategy, and I had been working on it for a while. I, you know, and it does remind me of something that, that uh, has been a theme on the show for quite a while uh, these last few weeks, and that is museums are creative places, and museum uh, personnel, uh, staff, uh, consultants, independent professionals, we are creative people. And right. there are creative uh, opportunities, certainly in academia, in uh, the ministry, uh, in other creative areas mm-hmm. where 
where people uh, formally go on, we call it retreat or sabbatical or some of these other other uh, terms. And so I think in a way what you what you did, Anne, and what you're reminding us is that we can all take those opportunities. We can seize them uh, to do that that recharge. I tell you what, we're going to take our break a little early today uh, so that I can uh, deal with a technical issue to get Marianne back on the phone. I hear her thumping, but I but she can't come in. Okay. So uh, we're we're going to uh, take a take our break. But before we do, I do want to remind you that you can always reach me at carolbossertservices.com. You can always send me an email, uh, continue this or any other conversations at carol.bossert at verizon.net. You can also reach Anne at Anne. Uh, aackerson.com and remember that Anne has a very interesting blog uh, Leading by Design Talk, talk, talk That's all we do is talk If you'd like to talk call us toll free right now at 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Carla Howell, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. 
Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace to speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert. I'm here with Ann Ackerson and... Uh, we've had some technical difficulties, but we have Marianne Bez now back on uh, cell phone. Marianne, can you hear us? I can hear you. I hope you can hear me. We can. We can. I'm sorry for all those little technical gremlins. You know, we, we all live in this day and age where technology works, and when it doesn't, we get a little stymied and go back to tin cups and strings. But uh, thank you for... Uh, 
uh, hanging in there with us. Great big deep collective breath from all of us. Uh, Marianne, I'd like you to uh, share with us a little bit about yourself and about your uh, career path to, uh, that has brought you to this point. I am happy to do that, Carol. And I think I'm, I started out like a lot of people who are in the museum field in that I loved museums as a young person. And it, it was my wildest dream to someday figure out how to work in one. And I didn't really understand the way to access museum jobs until after I finished my undergraduate degree in history. And I really started to do a lot of research into the professional organizations, the American Association of Museums and the Association for State and Local History. And uh, unlike Anne, I chose a slightly different path and decided that I would first get a a degree, a graduate degree, and so I, I attended the Cooperstown Graduate Program, and it was a wonderful time for me to really understand the scope and the opportunities in the museum field. And I went from there on to uh, various internships and positions, and I have to say that there is a little serendipity, even though I thought I loved exhibits and you know, I loved the stuff of museums. The work that I gravitated to was always work that had to do with the audience. How do we get more audience? How do we get messages out to the audience? How can we get people more engaged in what we do? So it shouldn't, you know, ultimately my, my internships were about audience studies, and a lot of my work was in public relations, marketing, and fundraising. And so I'm sort of in not necessarily touching the objects, but I love the stuff of museums, and I love what museums do and the, and the educational opportunities that they offer. But I've always been interested in the audience side of things. Well, I think... and. That's very interesting. You bring up something that I know we're going to talk a little bit more about, and that is we start in one area, uh, but then we be, then we are drawn to or have skills that fit another area, and it's being honest with ourselves to know what are our strengths and where can we apply those strengths most effectively with, within our, our chosen field. And uh, uh, I think that's very, that's very important to remember at all times of our career because, of course, our careers change. Things change in our right. personal lives. And uh, I think that that then is a nice segue to bring you both in to talk uh, about your impressions of how the Strategize Me uh, project came about. And do you want to share a little bit about how, how that started? Sure, happy to. Um, at this point, I really need to give a shout-out to uh, another gang member, and that's Linda Norris, who I think is listening raptly uh, to the show right now, and she's tweeting about it, um, which is great. Thank you, Linda. Um, Linda was the one who uh, called us all together, four of her friends and colleagues, all of us uh, doing consulting work, running our own businesses, and... Um, and her question to us was, you know, we encourage uh, the museums we work with to do planning and to really 
sort of think strategically. Uh, are any of you doing it for your careers? And we all said, uh, no. <laughs> what a revelation. <laughs> and it was with that question that she uh, brought us together uh, to her house and to do some um, strategizing about our individual careers and, and really kind of worked from the notion that uh, five heads are, are better than one when it comes to, to thinking about the, the future. And that's that's what we did. And from there, which was, what, Marianne, two and a half, three years ago now. Um, yeah, it is getting there. Yeah, our work has uh, uh, deepened with, with one another. I mean, we've um, we've developed some deep friendships with one another because of it, but it was it was one person really kind of pulling pulling us together to make it happen. You know, I, what and and you you and I had talked about this a little bit and I just find this a fascinating approach for so many of us. Now, the three of us, uh, Anne, Marianne, and, and I, we're all independent museum professionals. I work in an office of one. I work with lots of other people. But as far as as actually having uh, colleagues to talk to, of course, I have my, I have my colleagues in, in the museum group, which is another uh, organization of independent museum professionals. But on a day-to-day basis, it's often just me, the cats, and the dog. And mm-hmm. they don't provide a whole lot of strategic information. I mean, they do remind me to take a break now and again and that my life is broader than than just sitting at my computer. But other than that, it's it's a little it's a little tough. Uh, and yeah. but but I have been reminded over the years as I've done mentoring through the American Alliance of Museums and and met with other uh, uh, museum professionals that even sitting in an office, whether it's a, uh, an office of, of two in a small historic home or a large uh, uh institution, um, big art museum in a major city, everyone from time to time feels a little isolated when it comes to their career, because you maybe don't want to go to the boss and say, hey, you know, I'm having second thoughts about doing X, Y, Z. So what what you've done is very interesting. You've found a group of friends and colleagues that, that you can you can talk to. Uh, I think that that's, that's really quite ingenious. Uh, Marianne, how uh, how did you feel when uh, Linda first approached you on this subject? Well, I I would back off a little on the, um, you know, we were more colleagues to start with. We had individually worked with each other, and we had been on boards together. So we knew each other very much in the professional sense. And, yes, we were uh, Linda and I were actually classmates in graduate school, so we had known each other a long time through lots of phases of our life. But the emphasis on on um, sharing the discovery of our career path with people who had seen us over time in the field was, I think, a strength of what we chose to do because that gave us the opportunity to listen to others who had seen us at work. And so while you wouldn't necessarily want to go and, and try this again with your boss or the person who sits in the desk next to you, you, you don't necessarily want to have your best friend either who knows you in a personal sense, but someone who knows you professionally. And this was 
uh, for me, it was it was great, and I think it was. Uh, we all found that it was helpful to have people who really understood the field and saw us as a contributor to the field because that gave us um, insight to share with each other and could and provide some uh, and could provide some critical d- distance too. Um, yes, yes. We, we and uh, it, it, it. Oh, I'm sorry. It's no, funny to say to... that it gave us distance, but distance is what you need sometimes because when you're in the midst of work and a career, you're too close to actually be reflective. And we uh, we really advocate uh, during our Strategize Me sessions with people that one of the first things that they ought to do is put together their own gang, and we call it a posse, uh, but um, that everybody... Uh, needs to think about who among their collegial networks might make good posse members would provide that critical distance on their careers that, as Marianne said, you you don't rely on your family and friends because they love you no matter what. I know I you know this this is very intriguing to me and I and, and a point that I I just want to bring out you've both said it so elegantly uh but let me take an opportunity to restate it one of the challenges I think in working in the museum world is that we love what we do and I don't use that word lightly we are very passionate about our work we 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 also understand whether we're developing exhibit programs or or uh, or, or exhibits or or catalogs or whatever it is that that we understand that some of our the best work and most effective work that we do uh, is in the um, affective area is in the loving feeling touching kind of 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 part of culture and. I think, uh, feel free to disagree with me, but I feel that sometimes as museum professionals, we then don't make that distinction between our professional lives and our personal lives. And uh, that can sometimes, I think, get in the way. As you say, if you work in a small organization and, the, and you like and maybe love the people that you work with, they do become your family. You mm-hmm. can't always trust your family. It's like my, hus- my husband thinks everything that I do is absolutely wonderful, whether he understands it or not. And while I uh, need that that uh, uh, that backup. He maybe isn't the guy when I have a specific uh, uh, strategic issue uh, because he'll just say, "Oh, honey, you can do anything." And I wonder if that is true with some of our museum uh, friendships as well. And that, as you say, the key to this is to find four or five people who know you professionally and maybe care enough to say the very worst. Yes, I agree with that. And, uh, and, and so that's what we did. One of the first activities we did was we uh, did a SWAT on each other. And because we were um, colleagues, not necessarily close friends, I've, I, for one, felt that that SWAT was really useful for me. And, and we did the whole nine yards, the strengths, the weaknesses, and then we also thought about external challenges and um, opportunities and how our strengths might fit those. And um, 
I think we spent probably a good morning or the better part of a day doing the SWAT, which kind of then laid the groundwork uh, for the rest of the work that we did together at our initial meeting. Would you agree with that, Marianne? I would totally say that the SWAT was insightful for all of us because it, it gave us um, in each area a better understanding of ourselves, you know, with strengths and weaknesses, things that we thought were strange, sometimes other people could see in a completely different light. And the opportunities, because, again, outsiders looking at, at our strengths were, were showing us, you know, not outsiders, but our, our gang were revealing things that we couldn't see because we're too close. And so I, I agree that for me it, it was really uh, it was really great to go through the SWAT experience with the five. Now um, that that to me takes a great deal of of courage. Did you uh, uh, the five of you talk about ground rules or confidentiality? Uh, how how did you uh, proceed in in that way? We, we do operate with the what happens in the five remains in the five. You know, we don't, um, because we wanted to also say right up front, you know, if, if we talk about making change, we don't necessarily want to see that on a blog tomorrow because it's, it's our work. So there was a lot of conversation about the confidentiality and, and how we were going to work to reinforce each other and help each other, but not, you know, not take it out of the room. Um, unless, of course, we agreed to do that. I mean, eventually, both Linda Norris and Anne wrote blog posts about the experience. And that's sort of really how we hatched the idea of, of sharing Strategize Me with others because people started coming and asking us questions. How did you do that, and why did you do that, and how did it unfold, and could you help me do that? So maybe yes. this is a, a, a good time to then segue into the Strategize uh, workshop itself uh, and, and being able to teach others uh, some of the key elements of, of what you found uh, within your, your own posse. Well, we, uh, just picking up, uh, from what Marianne just said, um, because we had gone through this experience, and I mean, it's an experience that still continues to unfold because the gang, the gang is active and we meet regularly and so we're continuing to work on our career plans and to help one another over, um, naughty questions and that kind of thing. Um, we thought, to ourselves, I mean, it became kind of a revelation. Hey, you know, we we did this. Why don't we see if we can uh, replicate it and help others to do it too? And um, and so, using essentially many of the steps that we followed, um, but in a more condensed way, because a workshop is certainly a lot smaller uh, in time, or you know, the time frame is a lot smaller. Um, we developed. Um, a workshop that mostly focuses on the visioning piece of of what a, a a person's career could look like or what they want it to look like, and 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 go from there. But we talk about this kind of cycle where of reflection on one's career, uh, 
and and visioning uh, and then and then beginning to make a plan and um, and so and then we kind of drop them into the visioning piece uh, during the workshop and uh, we've done it what three times now uh, oh, we've done I think it maybe more. Yeah. At, yeah, you're right. More. We've done it uh, at professional meetings. Um, Marianne has done it with graduate students. And um, we have been overwhelmed by the interest uh, in Strategize Me. And, um, and there have been some really wonderful results that have come out of it or responses that have come out of it. Um, and I think a lot has to do with the fact that people just don't feel they have the time uh, or the knowledge or whatever they feel they need to take that step back and to reflect on uh, where they are now and where they want to go. Can you share with us a little bit more about this visioning piece? Mm -hmm. What what does does that involve? You go for it, Marianne. Okay. Well, uh, we allow people to take some time in the session to tap into their creative sides. And we really encourage people to use images or words to create a a visual map of their career path to this time in their life. And then we, in small groups, help them analyze what patterns and trends emerge in that career path as depicted in the mapping activity. And this is one of the most individualistic sections of the workshop, and yet the results are are universally amazing to me. Because people will come up with, as like, if we have 40 people in a room, there will be 40 very different maps. And the patterns will say completely different things. But the fact that people see patterns and trends and come to realization through the process is always consistent. People see things or Others see things about them that help reveal what they've done, what parts they like, what is um, what touches them in their careers and makes them happy, or not. That, sometimes not. That's very interesting. I, I think to be intentional and have an opportunity to look, you know, sort of take a bird's eye view of, of, of your career, my career, and, and, and chart it the way that I might uh, uh, want to express it to someone and look for those patterns. I think that's very interesting. I'm sure you get everything from charts and graphs to uh, uh, beautiful landscape paintings, uh, given, given the variety and skill set of the people who are coming to these museum workshops. And, you know, Carol, it really reflects what, uh, what the Gang of Five did uh, and the variety of charts and maps and beautiful landscapes that we came up with uh, when we first got together. That was, kind of, that was another 
that was really the opening activity before we did the SWAT was we all thought about our careers and uh, attempted to put together a presentation um, uh, of that for the rest of the gang. And everyone approached it differently. And it, it was from very, very analytical <laughs> to um, uh, uh, a flowchart to a huge mind map. I mean, it was all over the place, uh, very individual individualized and characteristic of the person, I think. Um, but it was a wonderful way to kind of look at your career in a totally different way. That's that's a, that's really great. I, I want to break us here. We're going to uh, go to our commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more with Anne and, and Mary Ann, and maybe hear some of the success stories that uh, that they've, they've they've had, and some of their uh, suggestions for uh, particularly uh, mid career professionals as they they continue to chart their career. Again, this is Museum Life. I'm Carol Bossert. Remember, you can always reach me at Carol Bossert com or get, send me an email at carol.bossard at verizon.net. We'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for listening. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Hello, this is Carol Bossert. Welcome back. Uh, the program today has 
been uh, charting our careers, and I'm here today crafting your careers. Uh, I'm here today with Marianne Bez and Ann Ackerson, two members of the Gang of Five, a group of museum professionals who come, have come together uh, to help each other uh, understand each other's careers, and they've now been able to take this their own experience and, and package it into a workshop called Strategize Me. And during the break, uh, Anne, you were talking a little bit about the scalability of this. Uh, right, right. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've done the workshop uh, in a in a con- more condensed way at uh, several of the museum professional association meetings, and uh, where you have about 75 minutes or so to, to do it. Um, but um, we can, um, we have packaged a workshop that really is more of a two-hour to half-day kind of a workshop uh, to allow for even further reflection and digging deeper and in, into all these elements that we've been chatting about so far. Um, and the workshop is available uh, for a fee, um, and we're happy to... Um, for anyone who's interested in, in either hosting a Strategize Me workshop or participating in one, uh, we're happy to talk about that and, and try and make that happen. Um, uh, and as I, um, yeah, as we were chatting during the break, um, we, we don't, uh, typically work with, with groups of less than 10 or try not to. Uh, we'd like to do larger groups, um, uh, and, um, we're we're just willing to to try and and uh, come up with a way to make that happen and 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 we will travel uh, to um, where you are and um, and see what we can do. So we're very excited about kind of spreading the word about strategize me, primarily because we think that there needs to be more um, intentional thinking about careers and and career planning than than there there seems to be currently. So, and and we think we've got a great product uh, and a great set of experiences that we want want to share with others. Yes, I I I agree, and that's certainly why I wanted to have you on the show today. Uh, and I would agree as well that uh, particularly in in these uh, last couple of years where money has gotten tight in museums, and uh, you know everyone seems to still be in that sort of hunker down mode. That one of the symptoms of hunker down is reduce or remove uh, professional development uh, monies uh, from from our our uh, host institutions. Institutions, which I personally think is is the wrong direction to be headed, but it, it is good to know that uh, that this kind of programming is available to us. Marianne, you wanted to uh, mention a couple of the successes that uh, that you've experienced and as uh, part of this strategize me approach. I mean, first, I, I just want to share some of the uh, reactions that we have in the audience. Uh, we usually have a section at the end of the workshop where we ask people if they are interested in sharing any of the insights that they gain during the course of the session. And I am always impressed with the realizations that occur in this workshop. And people will stand up and say, wow. I've been the director of the XYZ Museum for the last 10 years, and I just realized I'm in the wrong job. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a you know audible gasp in the room, and someone, uh, the same person, will continue on and said, you know, when I really look at my my mapping, I learned that I want to be a teacher. I don't want to be an administrator. And so we've seen people make dramatic career decisions in this process. And even for the five of us, we all came together probably because we were approaching a shift in our careers or a change. Mm -hmm. And um, one of our members said, I want to write a book. I want to change the kind of work I'm doing. I'm, I'm interested in, in traveling more. And all of that has come to pass. You know, Marianne, so I, think, I, I think you but, raise a, a critically important point, and that is that, um, you know, going back to my college professor who started on a career path and it became very linear, and I think that that was sort of maybe okay in the 1950s and probably through the 1980s. You know, you sort of started on, on your chosen career and you just kept moving on and moving up, uh, but... That didn't mean necessarily meant that you were happy, and it didn't me- right. mean that you were getting uh, finding success in one's career. And I think that that what I, I've been hearing more and more from from colleagues and and also personal friends is that we live in a day and age where being successful in one's career doesn't mean uh, taking the CEO position. And in fact, many many people need to become more honest with themselves about where their skills are. You know, being the CEO is is not necessarily the most creative job in the world. Uh, and maybe there are ways of taking your skills into a different area. And it sounds as if that's what you've discovered individually and what you're helping others to discover. Definitely for me, yeah. What advice would... The, would uh, the two of you give to young people uh, as they they enter the museum field today. Anne? Well, um, that's an interesting, uh, a really interesting question. Um, I've just co-authored a book on leadership in history museums, uh, leadership for 21st century history museums, I should say. And um, one of the questions that we asked uh, the 36 museum leaders around the country uh, whom we interviewed for the book was what advice did, did they have for um, aspiring leaders? And, and lots of great advice, let me just say that. But one person's advice sticks out in my mind, and that is to say yes to things. Okay. And, uh, and by that, he meant really... Uh, don't be afraid to take in uh, different um, activities that will provide you with uh, a new skill set or a different skill set um, or an enhanced skill set. Uh, don't don't sit on the sidelines and say, "Well, that's not for me" or "That's not for my career." But to take risks and um, and in some ways, yes, be intentional about it, but also some way in some way, to just get in the flow of it. Um, and I think that that is, um, I think that ultimately that is good advice. That's very good advice. Uh, Marianne, did, do you, uh, what's your advice? 
I would, there's a couple things that come to mind, especially in the beginning of a career. I would encourage people not to narrow their focus, but be broad and take in a lot. Um, because you really almost, especially now, need to know the breadth of what's going on because that will help you make choices later on. And I also would encourage people not to be so worried about the straight line, but to think about zig and zag. Because you can look outside the field for important skill-building opportunities or training or resources. Uh, I failed to mention that I had five years working in a healthcare uh, institution, and they invested more in my training than 20 years in a museum because they had more resources, and it was a very large institution. So it's... And it didn't hurt my career in the museum field. I always had an interest in there, in the field. And, of course, we would say build a posse. Uh, you know, everybody needs the, the gang of colleagues to help them move forward. I think that's very interesting, Marianne, and I, and I just want to, to emphasize uh, what you just said, is that the museum career, uh, the museum field, maybe more than others, although I don't really have a basis upon which to say that, is a very porous business, meaning that people go in and outside our business all the time. We we know that oftentimes uh, uh, key leadership is hired from without, uh, outside the museum field, uh, uh, to to uh, head some of these high administration uh, positions. There's no reason why we, uh, as museum professionals, can't go out into the rest of the uh, the world and the industry and uh, gain some insights in other nonprofits and other uh, for-profit institutions, and then and come back in with either uh, greater insight and uh, leadership. I think that's really important. That's an absolutely critical skill. Uh, for being a 21st century museum leader. And I use that word leader um, broadly, that I'm not just talking about the person who's at the top of the pyramid sitting in the director's office, that, that we must integrate wide, broad varieties of information from across the nonprofit and for-profit sector, that um, it's, it's a, key, a key element of... Um, of successful 21st century leaders, integration of information. Marianne, I'm reminded and have had sort of a a semi-senior moment right now, but I know you wrote a chapter in a uh, AAM publication about careers. Uh, Could you remind our audience the title of that book? And I think I was the one. Carol. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you wrote one too. <laughs> it's called A Life in Museums, life uh, published in museums. by the American Alliance of Museums, a bestseller, by the way. Yes. yes. And with good uh, reason, because it's about careers. Great. Right. So we have uh, we have just uh, two two minutes more. Uh, w- would each of you just care to say one more thing about where you think your your where your career is going next? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll jump in. I'm one of the things, one of the outcomes of uh, my career planning was my 
realization that the thing that I loved best in all of my jobs was writing and that I really wanted to uh, spend more time writing and less time managing marketing campaigns and different kinds of things that I was doing. I, I love strategic planning and analysis, but I really love writing. And I have really shifted a lot of my workload that way, and I am loving it. I'm doing a lot of different kind of fundraising writing for a lot of different kinds of organizations, both in the field and outside the field, other nonprofits. And um, it's a path I hope to keep going down. That's great. And do you want to share anything about where you think where your career is taking you? Yeah, um, about a little more than a year ago, I um, I really disrupted myself again uh, by leaving the museum field, um, and I haven't left it entirely, certainly. But um, I left the Museum Association of New York, where I was director for many years, and um, have become the uh, director of the Council of State Archivists, which is a national association for the 56 state and territory archives in the country. And so I am working in an allied profession um, and one that is focused on state government. Uh, so very different from the, you know, the other 30 years of my career. And I did it primarily because I wanted to see if I could um, move into an allied profession, how difficult that would be. And I will say it's been, it's been a challenge. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I did it, uh, in part because I wanted to stretch my thinking and my skills. And that has, that is happening. That's great. Um, that's 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 wonderful. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yep. We are close to the end of the show. Anne and Marianne, I can't thank you enough. And I hope all the listeners uh, out there, please share this with all of your museum colleagues as well as as uh, new professionals entering the field. I think Anne and Marianne, their gang of five, uh, with their Strategize Me workshop, have has a great deal to offer. And I hope everyone takes advantage of it. Again, this is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Please join me next week as we continue our discussions about leadership and careers. Uh, and uh, remember, you can keep this conversation going at carolbossertservices.com and uh, shoot me an email at carol.bossert at verizon.net. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.